This episode of Unprofessional Development is brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. Use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page. Or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. That's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. Welcome, unprofessionals. Grab your tea and crumpets because this is a very British episode of Unprofessional <laughs> Development. I am your host, uh, co-host Shane Lawrence. And I'm Mealy, and we have with us Dr. Poppy um, Gibson from uh, across the pond, obviously. Um, and we're just so so glad to have her here. And I got I found her on Twitter. I think I I think the Toria Bono connection is the connection, but I but I don't know, or maybe just because everyone on Twitter knows who Dr. Poppy Gibson is, obviously. <laughs> But, well, they're both um, from England, so I'm sure they just know each other, right? Yeah, like, only like nine, same thing only here in nine Canada. People in England, it's like the two yeah. of them, the um, the new king, um, James Acaster, and um, uh, some of the members uh, of Monty Python are still alive too. So there you soccer go. players, yes, yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I don't know. How is so, it? How, how, how badly have we... is, is Benny Hill still alive? I don't know. Oh goodness, that... Benny Hill. Know. Okay, let's not that would be bad. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, and Doctor Who. So, um, so we always like to ask our um, our, our teachers when they, when when they come on here. What does education and being an educator mean to you? So go ahead. Oh, that's a really good question to start with. And Thank you. Um, what does it mean to me? It just means everything. It just means everything. And um, I know for anyone listening that kind of knows my education journey. I never even knew I'd end up teaching adults because at the moment I'm a university lecturer, professor, you might call it. Um, but, but I started out teaching primary school children. So I think what's really interesting when we think about ourselves as educators is thinking maybe it's more than, than who we teach and more than what we teach. And I think it just comes for me from this drive to want to inspire others, to support others on their journeys. Uh, to learn myself as well. I think a good educator is someone who also has that passion for lifelong learning and is is on their own education quest continually. So I think for me, education is just totally intertwined in everything. And I think what what's exciting about education is not thinking of it within boundaries, but thinking that it can transcend, you know, countries, transcend age, um, transcend subjects. Like the most exciting stuff that I see is stuff that's totally interdisciplinary and like going across disciplines across subjects that's what I think education is about so for me as an educator it's just finding these kind of innovative ways to to help others around me grow and to continue to grow myself okay. so I'm so curious a little wait go ahead go ahead okay no I mean you said you 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 started out teaching grade school like lit litlands and then <laughs> uh did, was it a process of working your way up to the adult thing or like how did that happen <laughs> Uh, kind of, kind of, but it, you know, it wasn't quite so linear. I think I, I was really lucky when I was 18, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. So I went straight to uni as like a fresh 18 year old, um, here in England, uh, our university degrees for teachers are, are usually a three year program. So I did a three year course, graduated age 21, went straight into the primary school and I absolutely loved it. 
Um, and I did that for 11 years, teaching in lots of different schools um, around England. I taught in one of the feeder schools for Eton. You might have heard of Eton. Mm -hmm. uh, I taught in a girls' school in North London. I've taught in mainstream schools, which are like our kind of general local authority-run schools. And then it was only towards that end of that 11 years, I, I did my PhD, I was finishing my PhD, and just realized how much I loved research. And in order to support finishing my PhD, I started a Sunday job at a university in London. And I just realized, wow, like I can still use some of my skills. Um, like, you know, the way that it's about getting to know people, getting to know strengths and weaknesses is about connection. But actually doing it with adults just, just blew my mind because I was getting to connect on a much deeper level. I loved working with the children, but but they're in school because they have to be there. Because of course it's, <laughs> it's a legal requirement that you have to come to school in England. But suddenly like working with adults, you know, that were in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And I even had one student who was 74 mm -hmm. and was finally doing a degree because she'd waited her whole life, you know, raising a family. She'd never had time to go to university. And here she was at 74 doing her first degree. I was showing her how to use Microsoft Word, how to use a laptop, mm -hmm. even before she could engage with the learning. Right. And, it, and it just felt so amazing to be part of someone's journey. And so then kind of at that point, I finished my PhD and I applied for lectureship um, to now teach teachers. So now I'm, I'm a lecturer and I'm a senior lecturer. I've been doing it five years in primary education. So, so, you know, in Lion King, you know, like that whole circle of life, that's kind of me. I've kind of gone from a primary school teacher to now teaching primary school teachers. And it, it just feels totally amazing to be honest. So I'm curious when you, um, I've talked to, um, teachers who teach teachers how to teach, um, here back to our, our second episode was, uh, we, we called him professor science. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great episode in which he, um, harms small children by, um, putting too much um, peroxide in a, in a solution, so it's it's a great episode. But anyway, um, <laughs> you need to go back and listen to that one, Shane. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it after this show. Yeah, actually, it's hysterical. So um, <laughs> so it's almost like hot potato, but with but with, but with benzoyl peroxide. But um, <laughs> so anyway, when you design your lessons, and I don't know if you do this or not, do you um, have some lessons where like all your students are gonna play the part of primary students so they can like see how a lesson would um would go or do you do it more like okay we're going to talk to you like your grown-ups and kind of like um discuss this this way or do, or do you do some kind of hybrid oh yeah good question so definitely hybrid mm -hmm. definitely i think when you're when you're training people in a profession like teaching you need to give them the knowledge and the subject content but you also need them to to put themselves in the children's shoes and think, you know, how would this feel? How am I going to deliver this? How would I teach this in school? So I'll do things like um, say the same activity that I would expect them to do in school, I'll do with them. So we'll do similar style quizzes. We'll do like partner work, things like that. Um, I also sometimes, you know, on the worst days when I see they're like snooping on their Instagram in a lecture, I do have to use like my evil eye that I used to use. Uh -huh. So I'm, I'm still using some of my skills, but yeah, it's definitely a balance. Like I want them to learn, but also to learn the pedagogy behind how we teach. So, right. and I, I normally throw in a few like, you know, horror stories from the primary school as well, which they, you know, keeps it spicy. <laughs> mm -hmm. There you go. Ooh, you yeah. got to save those for later. Yeah, sounds good. That sounds I'm, good. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I've talked. To, we've talked to um, a number of, of British educators. I know Sh Shane is like a relatively new co-host of a, a few months here, but I think he's talked to British teachers as well. And we've had like prior to, in the pre-Shane date had on like a handful because there's like this whole. What's it? 
I feel like there's like these these stages of teacher where you're like uh, uh and they had these all these letters like we love to have in <laughs> like your first year that you're teaching you're like a NCTE or something like that or N yeah close Am yeah I close NQT is a newly qualified teacher or ECT N- is is early career teacher we use that a lot at the moment okay N-C-T-E. okay and then because you kind of like kind of like have to earn your stripes actually once you've graduated from university <laughs> right yes so true so true and I think in a way that's good because. When you know, sometimes labels, labels can be negative, but sometimes, and I think particularly when, when you're teaching, these labels can be positive because if you're in that NQT, ECT, like early career teacher phase, that that's a sign that people need to protect you and that you need to protect yourself. So it's like, wait a minute, I'm still just learning. I'm at the start of my journey. And it, it's just a way of flagging to people around you. And I find it really interesting when I look at, particularly on, for example, Twitter, although other social medias available, people that, that want to put these things in their bio, you know, I am an ECT, I'm in my second year of teaching or whatever. And I think it helps us know how how to regard people and communicate with them and support them. So I think those labels can be useful, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, was going to say, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, and so, and the only thing worse than Benny Hill then also, that, this is a British thing that, that I love hearing and talk about is um, good old um, Ofsted too right or how do you how do you pronounce it okay Ofsted yeah Shane do you know about yeah. Ofsted I've seen the word but I couldn't I mean I wouldn't want to you know have to tell you That's what true. it is I, give, give, give us but like you, a know mean, you must you must have that in your schools or, or an equivalent uh, no I what's Ofsted and I'll tell you yeah give us like a two-minute definition yeah, yeah. of what Ofsted is two, okay two-minute definition it was brought in in um 1992 uh-huh. um so it's been running for a few decades and it was to regulate and check on schools because, you know, in England, we only had our very first primary curriculum from 1988. Hey. So before that, teachers could do what they wanted, teach what they wanted. And then um, I don't know how much you know about British politics. We ended up talking about British politics after all. Uh, we had <laughs> Margaret Thatcher, uh, Margaret Thatcher, very famous female mm-hmm. prime minister with the Conservatives. And in 1988, um, she released the very first primary national curriculum, which is really crazy to think um a lot of us were already born and in school when the first curriculum came out so it's quite interesting and then yeah obviously a few years after having the curriculum they thought now we need to regulate it so they made um this association called Ofsted um who were going into schools and checking what was happening observing lessons talking to pupils and saying "Do Uh do you like your teacher uh looking at the children's books and it was just a way of monitoring so we called them um inspectors and they would come in schools um and give the school a rating essentially how um, how frequently would that occur like if i if for any one particular teacher you getting observed then all the time or it's for the school that uh, i thought right yeah it's, it's to observe the school but obviously while they're there they're, they'll observe like a range of teachers so not okay. everyone would get observed they'd observe right. a sample um and i think it's it's meant to be i think every three or four years um but then it depends on how the school's doing. If the, if they go in and observe the school, so they'd go in for, I think at the moment it's three days, their, oh, their okay. period. So if if the head teacher gets a phone call, they're coming in for their three days. They normally only ring you, I think, the week before now because oh. they used to tell you a long time in advance. And obviously some schools could make things look all nice and shiny. Mm-hmm. So they give yes. you left notice, they come in, and then, yeah, they'd observe some teachers and things, give you a rating. But I think if the school's doing well, if it gets one of the higher ratings, they wouldn't come back for a few years. I think if the school looks like it needs some improvement, things aren't quite going as well as they should, then I think they come back more 
frequently. So True. it's just a way of regulating and checking on what's happening. So we can we can obviously think surely that's a good thing. Um, but then I guess from the flip side for teachers, when we know that most teachers really are doing their best, like you don't go into this job for the money, do you? Mm. you you're really not in this <laughs> for an easy ride. You're in it because <laughs> you're compassionate, you care, you want to help others. So most teachers and certainly the teachers I've met are doing their best. They really are. So yeah. I think for some teachers to think that you need to be regulated and observed, um, feels like some of your professionality is being taken away. And I think- yeah. The pressure of having to prepare everything for an inspection can be quite stressful for some people as well. So I think that's why we don't like Ofsted. Although mm. I'm sure we can see that surely it's good, you know, that that we are checking what's happening in our schools because all children deserve the best education they can get, don't they? So we need to make sure that schools are doing the best they can. Well, I, I wonder yeah. what the result of that kind of thing is here. I mean, now that we've got the Ofsted episode, but um, we'll get off this soon <laughs> enough. But when they come in and if they find something lacking i mean what's the thing is it is it a punitive result or do they come in and say well hey let's get behind you now and let's help you out like what's what's the approach if they find things um, that aren't up to snuff yeah so they would normally write a report so after a visit the school would be issued a report um and i'm sure anyone listening who's actually a head teacher will be able to add more information uh maybe share on, on twitter but um, from the report, it will kind of say the strengths, like what's going well, but then it will really highlight the things that need to improve. And they normally kind of give a direction into the way things need to Im be improved as well. Um, and so it's normally quite specific. And then when they would schedule to come back, then they will want to check that that checklist has been done. Uh -huh. Are, is, is there any other sort of incentives or disincentives attached to that? Or is it just a report? Certainly, the uh, the incentive is that obviously, if if they think the school is not improving, the the school can end up being closed. Oh, okay. Because I mean, I know um, like in the states, they have like you know they actually have like financial rewards for teachers whose students do better on X Y Z test or whatever it is. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I do you know they don't. Although I think it's a great idea. But one thing I do see a lot on Twitter, maybe you two could tell me more about. I see a lot of this thing, um, something like share the list. Oh yeah. Or that, yes. No, that's sharing. Yeah, that's definitely not a thing we do in England. And oh, I just goodness. I actually wanted to ask you both more about that. Well, I, okay. I I'm in Canada, so first of all, we never get observed. I I was observed last time was like fourteen years ago, I think. Maybe wow. fifteen years ago. So That's nice. Do you like that? Are you happy about that? I'm a, I I feel well, I feel like my profession is respected. I'm granted autonomy in terms of like we trust you and we know you can do the job and I do, I do a great job. So thank you very much. Um, but, and the other thing is, is I'm in Canada and so our teachers are well-paid and we get enough money for the most part to do the things that we need to do. Yeah. You know, like the things yeah. that I want. I mean, I look at those lists on Amazon. I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's terrifying. You know, like the things that I want, it's like, you know what? It'd be nice to get like a laser engraver for my class. That'd be kind of cool. Like that's the kind. Of, that's the kind of wants yeah. that I have, uh, yeah. which are ridiculous, right? So, yeah, the yeah. The, the share the list thing is is uh, it makes me sad. Yeah, we, we, we like tissues. Like someone's saying, we need more boxes of tissues or something. Yeah, and, yes, yeah, yeah tissues. Some some place that I, actually they don't provide us tissues at, at my school now. Now I'm not. I see some people like they, they need like pencils and crayons and things like that, and I'm like, oh no, like I have all the I have all the the pencils I I, I need, you know. Mm -hmm. to, to help out the um, students that, that don't have pencils or don't bring pencils, but um, but tissues, no, I don't have tissues are not provided for me. Like I, that's when I went to another teacher's room, and what he had done is he'd gone into the um, the uh, bathroom 
and um, he had just taken. Um, <laughs> I see where this is it's going. The, right, it's it's the giant roll of toilet paper that you see like at a public bathroom. But it's like a it's like a car tire, like a small car tire. You know what I mean? Of, of toilet paper. He's just got that sitting on a table, and the kids just unwind that to um to to, to blow their nose. But yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know. This seems like somehow I know this dovetails somehow in terms of like just. I don't. Know, I guess because Amazon lists the clear list things make me sad. So let's talk about mental health because yes. I know that's a big passion. Here. Yeah, see what I did there? That was smooth. Mm-hmm. That podca- was a nice link. Shane. I've been podcasting that's for. Why, that's eight why I got years you as my as my co-host. Shane, exactly. You know I mean? because because that, those skills that you have. Seamless. Like, yes. Like literally seamless. <laughs> All right, mental health, but it is a big passion of yours. I mean. Um, is, he's wearing a mental health t-shirt, Shane. Did you notice? I did notice oh. that. Yeah, you're yes. on brand, right? There you go. Yes. So, yes. um, and it says mental health is not a dirty secret. There ah, you go. Nice. Beautiful. I like it. I like, I agree. I agree. Um, so with that, I mean, obviously it's something you're passionate about. Is it, how did that come about other than, you know, just being a human and having, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good question. So Yes, of course, we're all human. We all have emotions. Um, although some people do accuse me of being a machine sometimes and I'm like Aww. in, you know, hyper-focused, hyper-productive uh, mode. But do you know what? I think I think whenever we reflect back on our lives, we can identify kind of what I like to call critical incidents, like critical incidents, things that happened that had a significant impact. So, so for me, of course, I've always had a whole range of emotions growing up, you know, as you did, going through school, being a teenager. But but there were kind of two moments for me. One was when um, I was 22, my dad died after a really short three-month diagnosis of cancer. So this was a really big turning point for me, like the first big, like very close death for me. Um, and the main thing that, that I noticed, obviously I was struggling to deal with it because it, it was so quick, but a lot of people really, I could tell, didn't know how to talk to me about it. And I was I was a primary school teacher at the time and I was trying to, I was caring for him, but I went back to work for, for like a week in the middle, um, just, you know, for like a, a break for me, which is weird work was the respite from right. caring. And um, I remember sitting in the classroom, uh, in the staff room, where obviously you're like with your cup of tea. And I just remember people coming in and I could tell they felt awkward. They're obviously like, do I ask Poppy about how her dad is? Uh-huh. Should I not ask? Because he was dying at this point. And you could tell they were like, I don't, I could tell they didn't know how to talk about death uh, oh. and dying. And and if you've lost anyone or if anyone listening has lost anyone, it's really complex because you you might not want to talk about it, but you also might want to talk about it. And I think I was in that position where I did, like my dad was still alive. I actually did want to share and talk about him. Um, but people didn't know how, and that was that was the first thing that triggered my mind. Like, hmm, as humans, I don't think we always like tricky conversations. Right. Uh, and obviously, from being a primary school teacher, I knew. Like, I remember some of my children in my class said to me things like, "Oh, um, my my rabbit's gone to sleep for a long time," <laughs> and like obviously their their yeah. parent or carer had told them oh. their rabbit gone to sleep for a long time. And I, and I yes. and again another thing like that was like, oh, like. I'm not sure, in my opinion, that's the best way of preparing your child for mm-hmm. death they're going to encounter in life. So so that was kind of one point around like death and grief and loss that, that really made me also then think, wow, I need to care for myself better. Yeah. And I think reflecting back, I I didn't, but I was, you know, 22 and, and I was learning how to deal with grief. And then the next one was seven years ago um, when I nearly died from sepsis 
And oh. this, this is another thing that I've actually only re- recently started talking about. And if if you follow me on Twitter, um, you'll see I've kind of just started talking about it recently because it's made me think, actually, when we share our stories, when we find people that we can relate to and relate to their stories, actually, that can feel quite therapeutic. Yes. Uh, so, so it was actually seven years ago, um, I was in intensive care, which is like a kind of almost end of life mm-hmm. um, hospital ward. And I remember thinking I was, I was going to die and the, the man in the bed opposite me died. Uh, I saw the doctor come and sit with him. He had a little stool. It, it was like the early hours of the night and he was sat with this this old man. The man died. Um, and then the doctor came and sat next to me. Ugh. And I couldn't- Oh my goodness. You're like, oh, it's my yeah. turn. <laughs> yeah. And I was just, and I just remember, and I, c- I couldn't really talk anything at this point. I was re- really sick. And I just remember like, yeah, exactly that shame. Like, oh man, now is my turn. And all these horrible thoughts and- Luckily, the the NHS, which is our incredible um, health service here in in the UK, um, helped me pull through, and I went through a series of, of rehab. And at that point, again, I was only you know really young, and it, it had a really big impact on me. And again, it was kind of like, but it also renewed my mental health, I think, in a way. Although I had a really dark period around that time because I had uh-huh. kind of come face to face with almost the end, mm-hmm. and to come back from that was quite strange because I think I kind of resign myself to the fact that death was coming uh-huh. um but it also made me think wow i have almost got a second chance in a way and now this is why i think i'm so passionate about supporting others because i have felt what it's like to be right right at the the end and at the, your deepest darkest point yeah. and i'm sure many of us have felt this too and actually only when we talk about it do we realize it's okay to not be okay i know we see that shared a lot yeah. but that really yeah. is true and Although a lot of people say to me, wow, you're so positive. I think that's why I've started sharing these kind of darker moments because I felt really crummy as well. Yeah. And, you know, we all have that. That's what being human is. Exactly what you said. It is a roller coaster. Yeah. And actually, maybe when we share and when that's what I, th- I think is great about social media, because it gives people a voice as well. And the amount of times I've logged on social media in the night, I've just seen people saying like, oh, my God, I feel rubbish. And even if I don't know them, even if they're not someone that follows me or that I follow, I'll always like pop on. Like uh-huh. comment, hope you're okay. And I think that's what's what's really cool about technology. This chance to support others when we need it mm-hmm. at any time of day. And I I think that's the main thing I'd want to say about mental health. Just be kind. Like uh-huh. I, we don't all have a lot of money. We don't all have amazing houses. We we can't all like give everyone everything. But you can give kindness a hundred percent, and you can give a comment on someone's post if it looks like they're having a really bad day, uh-huh. or say something nice. Like I see a lot of people on social media just share a selfie of themselves. It doesn't yeah. hurt you say, oh, I like this, I like that, you look happy. People are putting that there for a reaction. Uh-huh. Why not give a nice reaction? Yeah. Um, speaking I, of which, I, I kind of like to share this. I think this is um, relevant. So there's um, a friend of mine from Twitter and I just, um, you know, happened to be on Twitter um, one night as actually and as a British person. So you probably, you probably, probably, you probably know, know each other. You know them. Yeah. That's Sarah. Know you, know, you know Sarah. There's only like, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, but she posted something like on Twitter and like that, like, you know, she was feeling really upset and really, and, and it was in a really dark place, you know? And, um, you know, I said, you know, Hey, da, 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 you, you know, did you, did you need to, t- you know, talk? Well, she said, I'm like, is anybody out there? Something like that. And so I ended up like, um, talking to her over the series of like, of, of like weeks and stuff like that. And one of the things speaking with, when you see someone that's suffering a loss or is, or going through something like that and, I would ask her, and I think this is a good question to ask. I'd be like, do you want to talk about what's bad or do you want a distraction? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes she would want to like talk about it and kind of unpack her feelings and all that kind of stuff. And then so she's like, you know, well, no, I let, let's let's just have a distraction. And then like we would just talk about like TV shows, or I would like um, there's a silly game. If you guys ever play Scribble IO? Do you know what that is? It's like an online version of oh, Pictionary. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, you know what I mean? And so yeah. like I would just like, like, okay, let's just play Scribble.io for like 20 minutes. And nice. Make fun of each other's bad drawings and, <laughs> and, 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 and do that. Oh. You know what I mean? And, and, and something like that. And that's, sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we, sometimes we need to talk about how horrible this situation is. And sometimes yeah. we, we just need to be, be silly. And have, but, have I, but I love that. I love that you, that you picked up that she wanted to communicate something. And actually right. that that's great. That's something we could all try maybe giving that option. Do they want to talk about it? Or if not, here's another option. Like that's really great. I love that. Well done. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, you know, going, just going back through some of the things you said, I think one, one of the, the biggest disservices we do to mental health is pretending that bad things aren't going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I mean, my viewpoint is really shipped. I, I, my sister was killed last july so i've been going through that quite a bit um and uh just you know a lot of what you said rings true but like just the thing that got me was that just up until this time in my life at age 43 i never really anticipated grief right and then all of a sudden happy you're like oh my gosh this is a thing that everyone's gonna go through right and that what a powerful realization right everyone at some point is going to experience grief and loss like it happens Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. pretending like it doesn't, and 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 maybe not even, and not getting yourself ready for that in some way, is really doing a disservice, right? Because yeah. you know, because you're right. Like poppy people don't know how to talk about death, right? And so, you know, that's that's one. If one skill I've gained in the last like six months is like <laughs> I'm really good at talking about death now. Like I've learned so, when, when you get a chance and you update your resume, um, Shane. Yeah, that's like, all my skills. Like good at ex- talking about Excel and talking about death. Yeah. <laughs> but you, but you know, Shane, I'm so sorry about your sister. Firstly, but the fact that that now and in a way, you know, what you say that nothing nothing had prepared you. Maybe we can never be prepared, but yeah. maybe what we need, maybe maybe we can't um, prepare ourselves, but maybe. We just need to know that when it does hit and when it does happen, uh-huh. that there is a safe space to talk about it. And it is okay. Like, yeah. you probably saw that our queen died earlier yeah. this year in England. Um, I think you mentioned, you know, we have we have a king now. But mm-hmm. when the queen died, uh, England, as you probably saw, we went into a state of mourning. Um, things were closed. Everyone was really sad. And, and I also did quite a few interviews. I did one with the BBC um, about the queen's death because... A lot of people then were like, "Do we? What do we say to children? What do we say in schools about the Queen's death? Should we? Should we talk about it? Should we avoid it?" And everyone was sad. And and exactly what you're saying, though, Shane. Like, for some of us, this triggered previous deaths that we'd had. So a lot of people yeah. who'd lost parents, grandparents, sisters, uh-huh. suddenly having some a big figurehead die, regardless of who it is, triggers your own memories and sadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and those really painful memories. So I think this was it. There was a double level of, of kind of grief here. Pe- people were very sad at our amazing monarch who'd reigned for all of our lives mm-hmm. uh, for seventy years. And, and but also behind that, we are all grieving something. Uh, we're all grieving loss. Maybe not all grieving death. No. Mm-hmm. Or loss of a person, but we've all lost stuff. Right. And sometimes loss triggers that feeling. So yeah. So in a way, loss of a relationship is a, is a huge loss one. Of you know what I mean? You know. Yeah. So even. The fact that you can can talk about your sister now with me, Shane, like on on this very public forum, uh-huh. um, is amazing because 
you don't even probably know the people that that will listen and they'll think okay like Shane has gone through this and he's surviving and like look at him he's doing a podcast like it, things will get better for me too and I think that's what's really important we all have rubbish times but uh-huh. if we show that you know we can continue that is actually part of the help we can give even just you being here Shane is yeah. helping others yeah mm-hmm. well and again and, and again going back to what you said about just like I love what you said about kindness right like kindness is free and yeah, uh, you know to receive and to to give so that's just uh yeah I mean that's so important right because you know people out there are looking for that mm-hmm. yeah excellent 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 so we're gonna kind of like meander through these, these, these next couple things then we'll get to funny <laughs> stories here yeah, so, we're gonna have to really play. steer this one's like <laughs> okay, okay let's go no, no i think it's good no i think uh, it's I, got I, a bit I, dark I, yeah yeah <laughs> i know i know it's supposed to be a funny podcast but i like but I, but, I, but i like you know i like i like i like going there i like going there as well like i you know i can i, I have a, a student who lost who lost a parent that, that just like over um thanksgiving the end, the, the end of november and it, it was a very it was a very tough time for me the first um couple of days you know and it wasn't it was just like a student that i cared about you know what i mean and them losing their their, their um yeah. their parent was was um was, was a tough time for me and so i like ha- i like having i like having these conversations i'm a goofball i think i've shared this with shane and, and on the podcast before i like normally end up crying in my in my classroom like with my students like um multiple times a year just because i'm uh-huh. just a big um a, a emotional um no, emotional head so- Good. Yeah, I know. Oh, being, I don't know. Being an emotional role model is yeah. is amazing. That is so powerful. I try, I try to. I, I, my son had like a bout of depression for about um about two or three years ago, and um I share that with them, and then um oh boy, if I get this one going, I'm, I'm going to go there just because I want. I, I just want to go. There. I had this, I had this conversation with these kids, and this would probably get me to tears again. But um so, um, uh, 2016. Okay, um. Speaking of um, politics, we 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 elected <laughs> someone in in in, in um in, in twenty in twenty sixteen, and um there was one one of their um uh, platforms when they got got elected. This person was that they were going to um build this giant wall to keep all of the immigrants out. And I, if I remember, that was that was a wonderful thing he said so many way too many times. So as a um and, and my school is about thirty percent Hispanic, and some of them are like were born here, and some of them have come as recently as like a week ago. And so um, there was a thing in America where they, they called it a day without immigrants. So what they did was um, all the people in America, not all of you, but a lot of people who were in who were immigrants in America just um, didn't go to work that day. So that meant like you can imagine as a country that has like so many immigrants, all these things that were shut down, whether whether it be construction sites or stores or this thing or that thing or the other thing and just kind of go like hey just to kind of like make their voice known that that that, that we were here right yeah and um the interesting thing to me was there were like so the kids of who i taught a lot of them didn't come to school that day uh-huh. and i'm thinking to myself i'm like like and this is like i had a, i had this was a point of growth for me i'm like i'm like like they're not like working here like like they could have like come to school da, 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 da. and then like i talked to one of them and they're like no the reason we stayed home is because like our parents were going to like these protests and stuff like that and we were worried that um that when we came home from school that our parents wouldn't be there and i'm like oh my god just like the you know can you imagine just that fear that like you you don't want to go to school because i don't want like to come home 
to like an empty house that the you know the government has come and scooped up my parent and sent them back to the country and now i'm gonna be left alone at, at school and so like i'm not quite like all the way to like it was a very emotional thing when every time i every time i think about that like i i've i have empathy for that for that situation and just like the trauma that that that, that is you know what i mean that, that's um that it's crazy you know so um, can i go so back yeah. and redo my intro here like welcome to a very <laughs> sad and depressing episode of unprofessional <laughs> development oh, oh, okay but then somebody <laughs> but then somebody farted and it was all better okay? oh Mealy, we can always rely on you to take the high road okay good oh, oh my gosh wow what a story yeah so um speaking of sharing stuff um Share with us just like a little bit before we get, and then we're going to get some actual real funny stories. But you've got a blog, um, you've got a book that you wrote about the Ukraine. I'm sure that's hysterical. Um, but um, but 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 share with us some of the, some of your other your other endeavors that 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 um that you're kind of doing out there to kind of contribute to um to to the world. So go go for that, Poppy. Okay, thanks. So yeah, kind of. Do you know back to the kindness thing? What obviously i love teaching so i teach at the university which i love absolutely love but what i love as much if not more than that in all my free time well i won't say free time in all my other time <laughs> when i'm not teaching is because i think I, i've been quite lucky in like finding a bit of a, a platform and a voice now that i'm, I'm a lecturer helping people share their voices mm-hmm. so the blog you mentioned thanks for mentioning that it's called inspiredideas.uk uh, but I do welcome people from all around the globe. I have had some um, international people write for it. Um, again, it's it's just a website. It's just a blog. But I know as an academic from when I'm trying to publish in journals, it's a massive process. Like if I submit an academic piece of publication, it normally takes between six and nine months to get peer reviewed, get some feedback, get revisions, revise, blah, blah, blah. So I thought actually... We have a lot of people around us that are experts that might not want to publish for journal publication, might not have the qualifications and the knowledge to publish for journals, but everyone around us, particularly in teaching, has got something to say. So I just launched this website um, the end of last year, and it's just been really cool. Just people sharing like 500 words on anything linked to education. So I've had some amazing pieces on like well-being as teachers because we know like we are so we are giving all the time. So some really thoughtful pieces there about how we give back to ourselves. Some really nice things about dyscalculia in the classroom. Um but wider things. I even had someone slightly tenuously linked to education about the bombing of a school in history. So it's still linked to education because yeah. it was a school. Uh-huh. Yeah. But um but again for these people who might not have found other ways to share these great things that they know, that's what's been really cool. So again, if anyone's listening, do feel free to <laughs> message me. I would love, love, love. Definitely. To. And and since Shane's now actually doing the um the show notes, and he's a much better person than me at things like that. True. So true. there's a link to to um to Poppy's um Twitter, and there's also gonna be links to oh, the the blog you. and to the and and to the book and all that kind of stuff. So. Probably if, if if they go to Twitter, then then they can get to all that all those platforms. Yeah, yeah, you as, can as see well. the website on my bio. Yeah, I really welcome from anyone. Don't think you're not good enough to write for the blog. You are good enough. If you've got an interesting idea that you think teachers would love to read, just DMs are welcome about this. Okay. So, oh, okay. I will write, write write a blog. Huh, Shane? Are you going to write a blog? Uh, I got. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Please, I would love that from both. Right. Okay. I'm Maybe Shane and I compose one together. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. I'll just okay. I'll just fire up Chat GPT and just poop. There we go. There we go. Oh, no. Oh, no. There you go. Oh, that's a touchy subject at the moment. Yes. Oh yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> Love some chat GPT. Okay, okay, sorry. Moving on. Okay. Uh, and the book. What, what about the book? Talk, talk oh, about the book. yeah. Let me very briefly talk about the book. So again, again, this has come from the same place um, of wanting to give people a voice. So in April last year, obviously, you know that we had um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine from uh, March so, I, thought they were, I thought they were liberating Ukraine. That's what, that's what Boris Yeltsin told me. They're liberating Ukraine. You are Ukraine. watching the wrong <laughs> channel, buddy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously you probably saw that. The UK government um, offered visas. And I, Canada, I think, has also been very um, supportive, uh, as well as lots of other countries, in offering visas, free visas, for people from Ukraine that are fleeing the war. So I opened my front door in April, April the 6th, to a mother and son. Um Julia, uh, Yulia, her Ukraine name, but she has using the term Julia now in England. So uh, Julia was 27 at the time with her six-year-old boy, and they moved in with me, and um, it's been absolutely an amazing journey. Daniel has settled so well into school. He's now He now speaks English. He came only knowing the words hello and Minecraft. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, so much. Uh, they both love tea and crumpets, so that's nice. uh, for the intro to make it relevant. Nice. Um, and then I, I just, again... They I still live like, with you now? Uh, they just moved out, literally just moved out. Uh, okay. Down the road. Oh, okay, cool. awesome. Um, and we just, we went for ice cream at the beach at the weekend. So oh. we see each other all the time. And it kind of, again, came from that place of thinking, um, books are such a great way of helping children see diversity, see themselves reflected. So whether they're books, um, you know, about children's disabilities, children's ethnic background, their family set up, if you've got one mom, two moms, if you're adopted, if you've been in care, like let's use picture books to help children feel um, that their situation is okay. So I kind of, it kind of made me think that is this gap about child refugees? So the book is called A Home for a Ukrainian. Um, and it was just a way really of helping give Daniel a voice and all those other children. Cause I think even just in England, I think we've had over 240,000 wow. Ukrainian refugees, wow. most most of them mothers and children. Mm-hmm. So again, this, this is a very simple picture book, just a way of, again, back to that facilitation. Sometimes we don't know how to have those big conversations. Like we said, Shane, about death, like people don't always know how to talk about it. I think refugees is another thing. We don't, like people are like, am I saying the right thing? I don't be politically incorrect talking about refugees. Actually, they're just people who've been given this this status beyond their control. Mm-hmm. They've had to move for safety. And so the book's just a way um, that we hope people can, you know, in the classroom, in their homes, talk about a child refugee's journey. Yeah. Um, and it focuses on, although obviously we have people all around the world in refugee status, it talks very specifically about Daniel's Ukraine journey because that again is a very unique phenomenon, isn't it? People coming from Eastern Europe um, is very different mm-hmm. to a lot of the refugee situations we see without becoming too political. So I think it's it's been really nice for Gina and Daniel to feel like they can share their story with others and, and help facilitate mm-hmm. these conversations. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, but going one step back, Shane, obviously I know what our, our blog's going to be about. <gasps> there we go. Benny Ooh. Hill. Okay. <laughs> got to be about Benny Hill. Okay. That, that, okay can't you, anything else? I hate you so much. <laughs> I will, I'll just have to. I'll I, I probably should figure out. I can figure out. I'll, I'll come up with some ways you can use Benny Hill in the classroom. You can show episodes of, of Benny Hill. I, I and, think and, it should be about the time that you almost met Dr. Who. Almost met Dr. Who. Oh, I think it, that'll be an inspiring kind of story. Up between oh, the two. Oh, Both oh, excellent. did almost meet him. I know. So, excellent choices. So. Yes. Yes. The, the, yes. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, so um, now we're to the part where we like to hear funny stories, anecdotes from the world of education. I know so you're a primary teacher. I'm so crazy, funny stuff happened there. Or maybe with, maybe with your adult students. I, I, I don't know. So anything that you got that you go, okay, every time like I tell people about this, it gets a good reaction and, people, and, and it just um, brings a smile to people's faces. Yeah. Um. Okay, I'll, I'll just I'll just think of a couple, maybe. Sure. Uh, I know, do you know? I know that I'll kick myself after because I think of even funnier ones. Always happens. Always I'm happens. probably going to come across now as like the most boring educator ever. No, no. <laughs> Trust me, like it's fun. Every day is fun. It is. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, one one of my one favorite one for me, just personally, that I love. Um, I was teaching a really um tough. This was with adults at university. I was I was teaching a lecture on uh trauma. Mm-hmm. and babies even born with trauma because the mother has been taking drugs while pregnant, drinking while pregnant. So uh, children that, that are already born um, addicted, um, thinking about that impact of, of the trauma on the child growing. And so obviously whenever you do a kind of a tough or emotional lecture, you do wonder what questions you'll have at the end of the lecture. So at the end of the lecture, I kind of opened up, I'm in a lecture theater with like 150 um, adult students. I said, oh, has, any, has anyone got any questions? Um, and there was just one and she put her hand up. And again, I was, you know, hoping, I hope this is something that, you know, she's feeling safe to share with the group, you know, because sometimes people can disclose things that have happened to them. They could be quite personal. And she just, um, she said, where is your jumpsuit from? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and that was, that was one of my first lectures. And it made me think, Oh, I'm not in the primary classroom anymore. <laughs> oh <laughs> my goodness! Uh, it, yes. was a, it was a strong jumpsuit, to be fair. It was a nice. good, good outfit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there you go. And then probably one of one of my favorite things from primary school. Again, so so many, but um, I'll tell you about a favorite present. Okay. okay. Uh, so again, that's one thing I miss in primary school. I don't know in where you you guys teach, but. Uh, we used to get really nice Christmas presents and my like end of year presents. Sometimes yeah. I get decent ones. Sometimes not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you Speaking of which, I actually got I got an assortment of teas um, um, this past oh. Christmas. Yeah. Some like fancy. Yeah, some berry ones and some chai tea or chai tea or green tea. And I forget. It was like, five, like, like chai, six different flavors. Um, that's right. You put, you put on like a top hat and a monocle, so, and was like, <laughs> so, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna offend you, Fafi. Okay. Oh dear. Um, I know. Maybe you too. Well, shame. I, 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 I have a plastic, um, tea mug, and I put the water in it and the tea bag in it, and I stick it in my microwave for a minute and um, 45 seconds. Yes, and that's how, I, that's how I make my tea. I'm not offended, but I'm just that's just weird. Yes. Just weird. Can yeah. I can I say I'm not angry? No. Just very, <laughs> very disappointed. And had you actually opened had you opened the show with this, yes. I wouldn't be here now. <laughs> you really lucky. I know, I know. It's really, at the end. It really well, you wouldn't have had a show. I and I just I just apologize for any any Brits, any fellow Brits. Um, Sarah, a uh, shout out to Sarah that I know you mentioned earlier. Well, I st- yeah, um, I still would like to do like a taste test and have see it someone do a taste test with with the microwave tea. Okay, the, when you next come to London, right? It's on. Okay. It's on. Come there to we London. Go. Yes, I will make you a cup of tea in my house, and we'll see. Okay. Awesome. We'll invite okay. Tom Baker. This is one of my top. He's only down the road. He's down the road. He's down the road. Is there was Sarah? Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh. Um, by the way, Tom Baker did have a have a Sarah was the name of um one of his um. 
companions during his um during his time thing. I, oh, I had a crush on her. Oh my goodness, I had a crush on her. Okay, moving so on. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I must say I've never watched Doctor Who actually. No, but did you, are you familiar with Tom Baker, the one with the the, the scar? Yeah, I knew, he was I one of the originals, yes. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was the fourth or fifth one from oh, the, from like the you know was John the Pertwee there. I feel like you know it well. Oh, I, from Tom Baker backwards and a little bit of the Pete Davidson era. Pete Dave, Davis' son, yeah, not not the one that dates Kim Kardashian, but the other, but the old Pete Davidson. He wore like the yellow. Um, he had a nice yellow, and wasn't a jumpsuit, but he had a nice little yellow suit. But Tom Baker and John Pertwee, I've, I've seen probably ninety percent of those um, episodes. Wow. So, so yeah. So, but then then I like um, got older and I got and did and did other stuff and didn't, and didn't watch it so much. I mean, I went to a Doctor Who convention. That's I mean, that's that's been pretty nerdy to go to a Doctor Who convention. Is that that's true. when you you almost met him? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like thirteen or fourteen at wow. a Doctor Who convention, and and um, I had like I, I subscribed to the Whovian Times. Okay, so it was like this, it was like this quarterly newspaper that would get mailed to my house that had all the updates oh on all goodness. the Doctor Who going ons that were that were going on. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Poppy, you had a story about uh, your time as a primary teacher, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we digress. Oh, that's it. We talk about presents. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So presents. The best present I ever received um, from primary school child, and obviously is you don't do it for the presents, uh-huh. but uh, obviously the presents that are extra special are the ones that are homemade. Um, so I had one um, one pupil, this is a very long time ago, so I'll say her name is Becky because I very doubt she's listening. We're talking about a couple of decades ago. Yeah. And Becky um, actually had updated me for a good few weeks before Christmas that she was working on my Christmas present. Uh-huh. Um, so, so it was going to be a goodie. And she brought it in on the last day of term, and it was a a clay effigy of my head. Oh, wow! Like, I, it was like a big clay sculpture, and I, yeah, it was it was beautiful. I don't know where it is. I've I've lost it along the way, unfortunately. Oh, no. Like, uh, was it was it the size of your head? Was it like life size? It was the size of a human head. Oh my goodness! Oh, wow, wow. And did you did you have you seen that video, Lionel Richie? Um, yes. Hello, okay. whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it me yeah, you're like, looking yeah. for? You don't talk about Shane, no. Uh, I have not seen the music video for it, but I, I need to, to look Google. it up. Yeah, the yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I yeah. teach. You know, it's I do a the, class on music it's videos. Not dancing so. on the ceiling video. It, I think it's. I think <laughs> no. it's hello, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it is hello. Okay. All right, all right. Not the Adele. But then not, not the not Adele song. Uh, <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Well, anyway, guys. Um, we, we we appreciate Poppy, um, and just thank you so much for for um, for being here, Poppy. We just really appreciate you coming on. And by the way, if you like um, British guests, did I, did I, if I mentioned all the British guests that we've had on, Shane was Tony Danza so, British. Tony Danza was not British. Oh, but, okay, never um, mind. Ruth, Ruth Ruth Swales, Poppy. I know you know Ruth Swales, right? Yeah. Um, Ruth. And and Tori, who we who we said you know she has yeah. I guess she's been on here. Um, the Hands Up podcast guys, do you know them, Mr. Firth and and all of them? They were Why on. They're they're, they're 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 really funny. They they told a great story about the um primary um school and um it's a poopy story, so that's a good one. Oh, okay. And, I'll go I'll go listen to the back catalogue. And oh my then, gosh. um we also had on a guy who only went by the name um crap head teacher. So um he was oh. he was really, really good. And we had on a Scottish guy, um, Chris Smith, who is um 
this great, great teacher. I think he was like Scottish teacher of the year one time or whatever. Yeah, you should, you really, shouldn't does, mention Scottish people in the same company as, as English because okay, there's, there's kind of a thing. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But anyway. That's I'm, great, but I'm going to listen back to them all. And, just, okay. and thank you for letting me be added to this long list of Yeah, everything. yeah. And so, like we said, like follow Poppy on, on, on Twitter, read her blog, contribute to her blog. Get the, yes, get, please. Get, 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 get the, um, the, the book about um Ukrainian and um and know that even when um there's like um what I really like is that like can you tell a funny story and you're like yes there's babies who are affected by that when their mothers are on drugs I'm like oh that that sounds that's hysterical but anyway <laughs> I know it was a great setup it was a, it was a slow burner it yeah. was one of yeah. those slow burners you yeah. just have to like sit back yeah. for the ride. So and, and 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 thank you guys for listening, especially all our um our British people and all all our Poppy fans that that are turning in just for this episode. No, this isn't the only good episode. We've got other other good episodes. And and no, so um you know, and here's what I want you to do since 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 it's a British episode, just get some like a black can of um uh spray paint. Go to the um subway and paint um never mind the um. The bollocks. Listen to unprofessional development. Okay, okay. And, there it and, is. Um, and share it on a wall somewhere. <laughs> and share it. Yes. Yeah, and that's share it. out the thing. Okay. All right. But thanks again. As we always say at the end, stay unprofessional. I'd like to get more reading done, and joining a book club seems like a good idea, but I don't know. Why not? Reading a whole book in a month, that's pretty daunting. What if it was just a chapter, say a week? That doesn't sound too bad. Still, getting together with a bunch of people, that's a whole evening. Well, what if it was only half an hour, whenever you wanted to? That would be great. The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. Join my wife, Anita. And my husband, Scott. As we take you on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown. Community supported. Available right now on your podcatcher of choice.